The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert and Tim Coates. All thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. So, today's podcast, we're going to talk to a man who probably needs no introduction other than you can't see him, Mark Sutherland, who's the director of the Gomorrah Cultural Academy. How are you, Mark? Yeah, well, Tim, how are you? Yeah, great. And um, panelling for the first time and probably going to stuff it up, Romy Gilbert, <laughs> the resident journalist. I am over here on the on the control panel trying to figure out how to make all the sounding sound good, so bear with me. I think we're going to be laughing, Mark, because what will happen is you and I get to have this great conversation and Romy won't say a word because she's playing with By buttons. the end of it, I'll be like, wait, can we go back? Yeah, what are we talking action. about? No, I'm here. I'm here. We're all good. So, no, that's all right. As long as you can make it sound good. Oh, mate, I've got auto-tune on, so you sound beautiful. <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make us look thin as well, mate, so you and I'll be fine. Awesome. Yeah, I've got Photoshop on us. So yeah, you want to do that. Mate, the, the Cultural Academy um, started how long ago now? It seems like forever, yeah. but I'm sure it's only five or six years. Yeah, no, so the Cultural Academy itself uh, is in its fourth year of operation, but go. has really been built off the back of some amazing work done by the Gomorrah Dance Company and Yinna Murray Malee, who are two local Aboriginal organisations based here in Tamworth that have probably been running programs over the last 10, 10 to 12 years supporting young people. So um, the Academy is driven off the back of that partnership and kicked off officially in 2018. Yeah, it was a great launch. I think um, I may have been there. I mean, it was great yeah, to see the, the first group go through and uh, remind me, but I think we're about 10 young people in the first group. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I guess from having a, such uh, experience in working with and supporting young people, we, we kind of had uh, the drive to really create something that was going to have some meaningful change in the life of young people. And so we, we come up with a different approach and our own philosophy. And, and, and one of those ideals is that uh, we work with a, a smaller group of young people and invest as much time and energy as we can in supporting them. Um, and we're seeing some really great changes in the impact that they're having from getting that kind of exposure to that experience rather than, you know, that one-hour workshop that happened that one time. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So how many kids uh, do you have with you in the academy currently? At the moment, we have uh, 12. Awesome. Um, and that they join um, an alumni of just over 40 young people. So um, the last four years, we've reached just under 50 uh, young Aboriginal people within the Tamworth region, um, and we're starting to really see the ripple effects that these young people are having um, throughout their, their schools and friendship groups and families, and and now moving into some really bright uh, aspirational career opportunities. Mm. So does the word get around quickly, and you have to, um, you know, knock people back to in, in order to maintain that really intimate level of of grouping? Yeah, and it's one of the challenges that we have. Yeah. Um, Again, it's because um, the experience is uh, having such um, an impact in not only the lives of young people but also us as staff. But you know, last year when we put applications out, um, really specific, just targeting Year Nine students at the moment, um, students um, moving into Year Nine, I should say, um, and we received just over forty-five applications um, with a cap that we're only meant to take ten. Oh, wow. And so it's, it's torture. It really is. And so one of our 
our targets and one of our, our goals as an organisation is that moving forward, we want to put ourselves in a position where we don't have to knock any young person back. You know, any, any young person that's um, passionate and committed and, and wants to be a part of a program um, and a journey of self-development, then, you know, we shouldn't be limiting that experience. Mm. So it won't be a leader. It's, it's an aspiration, and if you've got the aspiration and you put in the perspiration, you can get an outcome, yeah? Yeah, for sure, for sure, you know. So, and, and limiting that based off, you know, an application process is, is a really hard process and something that, as a team, you know, we, we don't look forward to because... Um, Ideally, we want to be in a situation where we can support all young people that are willing to take that journey. All right, you say support. So um, obviously, is yourself and yep. who are who are the other mentors, guides that you've got involved in the program? Yeah, so we've got an amazing team. There's myself, um, director. We have uh, Laurel Munro, who's program manager. We've got some amazing mentors in um, Barakai Knox, Bronwyn Spear, and Brad Flanders. Um, assisting in, in coordination with Amy Hammond and, and Athel Munro. And so we've got a team of about eight or nine people uh, working in bits and pieces um, to provide a really tailored support experience for these young people. But I think, I think you know, that one of the, the drivers for the success of the program is has been created by local people, <laughs> for, for local kids, you know, like... It wasn't too long ago I was walking in the same situation as what a lot of these young people are now. Mm-hmm. And so it really is trying to create something that we wish that we had when we were younger. Absolutely. And so due to the, the obvious popularity and growth of, of the, the academy, is there a future prospect for it to accommodate more kids and, and um, you know, grow? Definitely, definitely. And, and we're in the conversation now um, with some people to try to make that happen. We've also went through a and commissioned an uh, independent evaluation of the program. So um, an organisation based in Melbourne called Think Impact, um, they're an organisation that kind of measure that kind of social impact that organisations and, and programs have. And we've been able to collect some really good evidence that, you know, that shows what we already know, that this program is um, having a great impact on the lives of young people. And, and they are, you know, amazing in their own right, but with some extra support and guidance, really pushing the boundaries of what's of what's possible. Right, push it, put it back a bit further. Go back to the dance academy when um, you, Brad Barakai, yep. were involved in that. Um, who took a chance on mentoring you? Is that is that why you're doing what you're doing now, or is it for a different reason? Yeah, yeah. Our, our journey through the Gomorrah Dance Company started back in about 2002, um, when we were at high school and, and kind of moving through that. Um, dance festival kind of space. Um, I think we performed at the first capers um, that held at the track, just to give some some people some time um, to understand. You know, the, I might be able to recall back and remember those times. I remember. Um, but since since that time, you know, we went on a journey and we were supported um, by by committee members, our family members, and people from across the region. We we're really fortunate to get that support and. And we took it upon ourselves to, to make sure that we went and spent time and, and kind of um, in a position where we could seek out those kind of knowledge holders to get that support. And myself, personally, from that experience, now that's almost 20 years ago now, um, and I've seen the benefit firsthand. And so trying to create something um, to provide that support, 
um, for young people to really build a solid foundation on to growth, you know. And when I talk around the, the Gomery Cultural Academy, you know, it's, it's important to understand that it's a cultural leadership program supporting young people to, in their personal development, you know, through cultural practice. And so a lot of the time people aren't connecting cultural practice and, and personal development and leadership and, and we've been able to take that knowledge that's existed across our communities for thousands of years and really put it into a process that can support young people in this short period of time. It's a living, sorry, Romy, it's a, it's a living classroom, isn't it, Mark? It's on country, about country, oh. in, in a living classroom. It has to be, you know, and, and because that's, that's what's authentic and that's how things have always been done. And um, a, a bit of point of difference, I guess, from the philosophy that we take that's kind of been passed down is that, you know, it's, this is a journey of self-development where we're focused on growing individuals, you know, in supporting youth development um, rather than focusing on the re- retention of information. You know, when you think of school or other kind of experiences, it's all been assessed on how much knowledge you've been able to retain. There might be a test or something that's kind of quizzing you on whether you can remember it, um, where cultural practice is really focused around holistic self-development. Mm. You know, and so we focus on some really important topics and conversations like through curiosity and, and purpose. Um, and the best way to learn that is by being out on country. Absolutely. And so, as we all know, it's, it's NAIDOC week, and um, I know that COVID's kind of knocked some celebrations around, um, unfortunately, uh, well, postponed them for the time being. Uh, has, have you had any opportunities to have any celebrations thus far with the, with the children? Yeah, no, not, not, not through the academy. We, we had planned a, a week of volunteering. Um, to support NAIDOC week because throughout the year, you know, young people part of the program get the opportunity to go and experience some amazing things and, and visit some really special places. Um, but it also has to be balanced with a conversation about, you know, what we can get in regards of experience, mm-hmm. but what we're actually giving back, you know, and as individuals, what role do we play in giving back? And so this week we were planning to, to volunteer at a whole bunch of different events and and to commit to that process. But like you said, COVID's kind of postponed a whole mm. heap of stuff. There was a cultural burn that was uh, booked on or coordinated by local land services um, that was scheduled for today, but that's been pushed back. And, but I'm sure that stuff will still happen somewhere yeah. towards the end of the year. But um, the kind of COVID has really restricted a lot of the activities but it, it doesn't it doesn't take away from this year's theme you know and this year's theme being heal country which is so important not only for um for a, a section of the community but for all all of the country mm. so you know we, we talk about culture and history the preservation thereof i mean and the sharing sharing of first nations people's histories um is that something that's handed on through the learning mark, or is that something you're going to to run for non-Indigenous children going forward? Is that an expansion of the academy, or just going to focus in the space you're in? Yeah, well, ideally, you know, like getting access and, and knowledge and an education of 
of Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal history should be a right for all Australians. Yeah. You know, we all should have the opportunity to learn about um, the, the first people of this country and, and connect to the cultural practice that still continues on to this day. Unfortunately, those bases for that learning to happen um, are few and far between. Some schools are doing some really amazing jobs, but um, some schools not so much. And, and if, if that's where we're leaving all the learning to happen, well, unfortunately, there can be some cracks that can come up and a lot of us can, can fall through it. So the program through the Academy is specifically for Aboriginal people, but we do run a whole heap of other workshops um, to support all people to connect to cultural practice and, and to build that level of self-development. Mm. And they're of significant value. I mean, I think, I, I think I've undertaken one, hence the question. Um, been on the periphery and uh, what a great opportunity that is. But the value of those, can they be delivered uh, classroom-based or should they be delivered on country as well? Well, they should, they should be delivered on country, but the, the first kind of com question that we should be asking is, how do we get it in the first place? Yeah, okay. Anything is better than nothing, and a lot of people are, aren't getting any access to authentic or localised cultural knowledge. Yeah. Um, and there are conversations that can happen um, in a room, but to get the full experience and to really understand and connect, you have to be, you have to be on country. And so for me, when I look at the theme for Heal Country, you know, the most important part there is the Heal Country, we have to spend time on country because that's where those connections can be built. Um, we have to learn the stories of country. And, and when, it's probably an important kind of point to make that when I talk about country, you know, it's, you'll hear a lot of the conversation coming about how, you know, talking about the environment and things outside in the bushes as things as, as living and, and have the same kind of view on rights as people. And it's a really big story that talks about Gomorrah culture and First Nations culture that, that say that through our creation, um, we're all born through the same process and, and I have the same rights and the same connection as other things do that don't take the same shape as people. You know, so when we talk around trees and plants and animals and um, it's important to acknowledge that they all make up a part of country but they all have rights. You know, they all have the right... They all have responsibilities and they all have connections. And so as people, we're included in that ecosystem. And I don't think that connection um, and responsibility is limited to Aboriginal people. You know, like the mm. basic understanding of whoever lives in a place has a responsibility to look after that place. Absolutely. And I, and I think the more that we're becoming global citizens, we're taking on that responsibility a lot more seriously. And, you know, I, I think that the more that we can connect to this ancient way of caring and maintaining and protection to make sure that the world around us is healthy, I think a lot of people would, you know, support that and, and, and participate. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see, um, I'm just going to flip it a little bit. We're going to see a performing arts centre come into Tamworth. Is there any consideration of space created in or around that? for a cultural learning place also? Are you aware of anything like that? Um, I've had some conversations with, with, with Council and Peter uh, from the Capital Theatre and I know that um, the conversation was pretty positive, looking to support um, and, and make some flexibility to make sure that 
there's opportunity for that to happen. But in regards to whether I'm aware of any further kind of details, um, I can't say that I am, but um, the relationship's already there. You know, we've worked pretty closely with council, and I know that um, they've got a, a pretty good relationship with the land, Timworth uh, local Aboriginal Land Council, and, and with Lenny Waters, um, who I believe is scheduled in for another cultural spectacular in the upcoming months. And so I'd say that there is some consideration for Aboriginal people and Aboriginal communities to take part in that and share their stories, and um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the growth in that space. Yeah, I think I can remember back to a festival not so long ago when we actually had festivals where um, uh, Uncle Mark Atkins was uh, performed open the ceremony and it was a, a song he'd written or a story he told as part of the opening and, and that touched a lot of people, Mark. You know, it was about day one of uh, white people basically coming to Australia and the story was, it was a good story, it was a touching story, it was a deep story and that kind of sharing breaks down barriers do you am i right or wrong yeah for sure and we, and we have some amazing storytellers not only living in tamworth yep. but across the region yep. um i was fortunate um to grow up with um <clears throat> then being um mentored and looking up to uh, uncle roger knox yep. um uncle roger has recently been inducted into the um hall of fame um for country music um, I believe, I believe it's the Country Music Hall of Fame, or it might be the um, Aboriginal Country Music Hall of Fame, but still recognised for his contribution um, right across the country and the impact that he's had through sharing stories. Yeah. Um, and again, he's called Tenworth home and lived in Tenworth for, you know, for a few decades um, prior. And, you know, the opportunity's always been there to connect to that level of, of culture and storytelling and um, hasn't always come to fruition, so it's it's great that to know that there are opportunities that are coming up that are going to be inclusive. So I have one last question for you. Um, obviously, sharing knowledge and education um, is such an important part of of kind of you know of the conversation that we're having. And so, what do storytellers need? What platform do they need? How do we encourage and you know, promote these these learnings. Um, is it? Do we need more funding from the government? What would you be kind of asking for in terms of of helping to get these stories heard? Um, that's a great question. That's a great question. And um, when it comes to Aboriginal people wanting to have their voices, we've been fighting and, and advocating for for decades um, to have more impact in that space. Um, we're starting to see more and more Aboriginal stories be told, and I think. You know, the, the development of Aboriginal media platforms are having a huge impact in that space and, and social media also. But, yeah, I think it's it's about trying to have stories that are led and driven by Aboriginal people. And, and, and that's the important thing, is trying to make sure that the story can be as authentic as possible and and can, can share the information that people are really looking forward to. So... Um, I'm not quite sure about allocation of funding and how that's working but um, and whose responsibility it is, but I think that, you know, we, we rest our laurels on um, someone else to be able to do something and potentially something might happen. You know, change is going to come very slow. Mm. I think we can all kind of take on some level of responsibility and say that stories of the country that we live on, 
um, that um, have lived on this country for thousands of years should have the right to be told. And how do we provide spaces and platforms for that to happen, whether that be on a local level or a regional or even an individual level? I think there's a, there's a responsibility that's there to ask ourselves that question. And, and just tying that back to this year's theme, you know, talk around heel country, you know, one of the big things is around what's our responsibility to country? And I think that's a good question that it's asking. You know, the, the National NATO Committee is asking us all to, to, to reflect and say, you know, what is our responsibility to make sure that the next generation is going to in, inherit and, and live in a, in a world which, you know, they, they're comfortable with. And you can just look at recent years. We had, you know, droughts and, and fires and floods and, and all of these kind of things that have, that have been in place. And what can we do as individuals and as a collective, do to you know, shore up that responsibility to make sure that things are moving forward in the right direction. Mm. Well, I'm sure there's not one, only one answer, but I do know for sure that you know, people, leaders like yourself in the community, are definitely doing the right thing. Because obviously, um, an academy such as the the Gomorrah Culture Academy and and other initiatives similar to it are going to have a ripple effect. You know, you're you're empowering young leaders and that's that's what you that's what you you experienced and here we are today having this conversation so um yeah i think that that's definitely positive and as you said change will come slow but you people like yourself are definitely doing the right thing yeah and it's, thank you very much and it's, it's not just people like me you know it's, it's it's all of us and you know it's the responsibility that we all have and hopefully you know these conversations can keep pushing past this week for nadoc week and and start to develop into some real meaningful action. Absolutely. Just remember, mate, you were a young leader yourself once, now you're a middle-aged leader, OK? <laughs> Tim loves to remind people he's not the only one getting old. Uh, look, well, the alternative's not good, is it, Mark? I mean, we want to get older. We all want to get older. Mate, thank you so yeah. much for your time Thanks today. Thanks so much, Mark. No, no worries. I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate, you know, seeking me out and, and having that, that conversation. No, we love to hear it. Yeah, we do. And it's one of the, it's, a, it's a sort of a personal joint hobby horse. It is, absolutely. So um, we'll talk to you anytime Enjoy you the want rest. to talk to us, mate. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of yeah. your NADOC week. No worries. Thanks. And I'll, um, and I'll uh, Tim, I'll, I'll organise a time. We'll catch up soon. Catch up, mate. See you. <laughs> Thanks, Mark.